That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey guys, we're gonna get we're gonna get started uh, tonight. Uh, we're in John chapter ten, uh, and we're in verse thirty through forty-two. Uh, we are finally finishing John chapter ten. After four weeks in John chapter 10, uh, we're going to finish John chapter 10. I promise you that we're finishing it tonight. Uh, and we're going to do a little bit of review um, from last week. Last week, we looked at John chapter 10, verses 24 through 30. Uh, and Jesus was talking uh, to uh, these Jews and these Pharisees who asked him, Hey, Jesus, uh, are you going to tell us? If you're Messiah or not. And Jesus is like, dude, I've been telling you for a long time. I've been doing like these signs and these wonders. You should probably know, but here's the thing. You don't know because you are not one of my sheep. Uh, you are not in my flock because my sheep, they hear my words, they hear my voice, and they follow me. And you don't follow me, so you're not any of my sheep. And then he says this in verse 30, and that's where we're going to pick up tonight. He says this, I and my father are one. I and my Father are one. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, and it penetrates through the bone and the marrow to the soul and the spirit. God, it reveals to us the motives and the intents of our heart. Uh, God, I just pray that tonight your word would speak to us. God, to the most inner parts of our, uh, our beings, God, in our heart, God. Your word tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And God, as we uh, saturate ourselves in your word, as we soak up your word tonight, God, may we speak forth the truth that comes from your word. And God, as we, uh, as we live our lives as followers of Christ, God, may we, in everything we do, may we seek uh, to bring honor to you and to live the way you have instructed us to live. God, we thank you that you've given us this book, this holy Bible, these scriptures, God, this inspired word of God uh, as, as really the game plan uh, on, on how to live our lives. God, we pray that your word would inspire us, God, your word would encourage us, and God, your word would challenge us. God, that none of us would leave here the same as when we came in, but God, that we would leave changed and impacted by your word. God, I pray that tonight none of these would be my words. Uh, God, any of my words... May they fall on deaf ears, or may I not even be able to get them out of my mouth. But God, that your perfect, uh, your perfect word uh, would come through tonight, God, and that, and that we would be uh, truly changed uh, by the power of your spirit and the power of your word. So God, we just thank you, and we praise you uh, in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 So last week, guys, uh, our, our title or the message uh, was titled Gripped, and we talked about how we're in uh, Jesus' grip, and he's not going to let us go. Um, and, and, and we based this off of this little impromptu sermon that Jesus gives. He's faced with this uh, question uh, that leads to an impromptu sermon. The question, we're going to jump back just a little bit, in verse 24 of chapter 10 was this, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you have to keep us in doubt? Or how long do you have to keep us waiting? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the appointed one, tell us plainly. Uh, and Jesus responds with um, this mini-sermon. Uh, but his response is met uh, with a very rocky uh, reaction. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a rocky situation. We're going to read real quick. Uh, <laughs> it's a rocky situation. Not like Rocky the boxer, literally, uh, but rocky. literally like some stones. Because it says this in verse 31. We're going to read verse 31 through 39. And it says this, Then the Jews took up stones... Again, to stone him. And Jesus answered them, saying, Many good works I have shown to you from my Father. For which one of these works are you going to stone me? 
Then the Jews answered him, saying, For the good works we do not stone you, but you blaspheme, and because of this we stone you, because you are a, uh, you being a man make yourself a god. And Jesus answered them and said, This is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. And if he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because he has said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. Therefore... They sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. The little Jesus Jews again. Uh, and he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man are true. And verse 42 says this, and many believed him there. So here's the thing. Uh, in verse 31, we see that the Jews uh, pick up stones to stone uh, Jesus. Now, this has nothing to do with our vernacular of getting stoned. Um, so just, I'm pretty sure we all knew that. Um, but this literally means they would pick up big rocks. Not just little pebbles, but like legit big rocks. Uh, and they would uh, push you down on the ground uh, very violently, uh, sometimes with their foot, Leonidas style, and like just put you on the ground, and now start poking you uh, with these big rocks. How many of you guys have ever like held a cobblestone before? Anyone ever hold, held a cobblestone? It's like six inch by six inch cube. Okay, this is kind of what they were throwing at him, like a shot put, okay? Uh, how many of you guys ever threw shot put in high school? Okay, yeah, a few of us. Awesome. Yeah, it's like getting shot putted to death, and that would not be uh, a good thing. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to laugh at me. Uh, this is totally okay. When I was younger, uh, I thought it literally meant to like throw like little rocks at someone. I didn't realize that would take a very long time to kill someone. Uh, but uh, because that's what I thought it was in Sunday school, uh, anytime someone new moved to our neighborhood, uh, we would stone them. Uh, uh, my neighbor Trevor, uh, he's a great guy. I love him to death. Uh, and he had this he had this uh, play structure. Uh, and uh, back in like the the, the mid '90s, before things were like safe. You know, we didn't have we didn't have like the cool cushion underneath the playground or like the the bark chips that are nice. We had pea gravel. You guys are like yeah, pea gravel, no fun. Uh, I got pushed out of a playground uh, from like six feet up backwards, landed on my head, got some pea gravel up under my scalp. It was nasty. Uh, but um, when any time someone new would move into our neighborhood, we we'd lure them. We wouldn't like actually be nice. We'd like lure them into the backyard, like pretending to be nice. Like, hey, it's so great. We have this awesome playground. And then all the kids, we would get handfuls of this pea gravel and we would just pelt them. I have no clue what we were doing. My brother and I, uh, one of our best friends now, he, he lives right around the corner from us, Derek. Uh, he, he was the, the recipient uh, of this pea gravel uh, attack. It was an assault. It was, it was terrible. Um, but that has nothing uh, in comparison to what being stoned back in the day uh, was like. This was literally uh, people getting killed uh, with rocks. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the Jews here, uh, they, uh, in their reaction to Jesus' response, uh, they do something that is highly illegal for them at the time. 
Uh, you see, according to the law, they were able to stone people, but they're no longer an autonomous group. You remember last week we talked about how uh, Judas Maccabeus, they had uh, gained their autonomy and they were a sovereign nation, uh, but then when the Romans took over, they were under Roman rule, and so now Rome had taken away their authority uh, to induce capital punishment. So what they're going to do is they're going to do something that is highly illegal, but something that they knew very well. You see, the Jews were very used to stoning people. Remember just a few short chapters ago in John chapter 8, they had dragged a woman caught in adultery before Jesus and said, hey, the law says let's stone her. And Jesus says, no, 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 put your stones down. Uh, and, and, the, and it's a beautiful story, but uh, it wasn't just like a freak incident where they stoned people. How many of you guys have heard of Stephen in the book of Acts? Yeah, he is stoned uh, to death. Peter uh, and John uh, were stoned a few times. Paul was stoned multiple times. Uh, Church history would tell us uh, that James, the brother of Jesus, uh, actually he died uh, in about 67 A.D., uh, he was killed uh, by a mob outside the temple of Pharisees and Sadducees because they said, hey, you know what, James? You're a good Jew. We like you. Uh, your brother was a little bit crazy, uh, but just let us know that you're a good practicing Jew. And he said, no, you know what? Jesus Christ was Lord. And they Sparta kicked him out of the temple, and they stoned him right there in front of the temple. Uh, and church tradition tells us that he was buried. Josephus tells us that he was buried right there at the temple. And uh, in the 1970s, there was an archaeological dig, and they found a stone slab uh, that in Greek uh, said James the Just. Now, it, it could have been a hoax. It could be uh, historically accurate. Most people believe it's a hoax, but the thing still remains. Uh, Jews like to stone people they disagreed with. Uh, aren't you guys glad we don't stone people uh, that we disagree with? Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of us would have some bruises uh, and whatnot because we disagree with one another here and there. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, they didn't uh, want to just throw rocks at Jesus. The, 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 this, this wasn't like, hey, this is going to be, let, let's go throw rocks at Jesus. The thing is, they, they were looking uh, for an excuse uh, to kill Jesus. Uh, because Jesus had been making them pretty frustrated uh, over the last few months and years uh, in the narrative of, of the Gospel of John. Uh, he's, he's really made them look like fools in front of uh, their peers. Uh, he's really upset the apple cart. He's done some things uh, that have really ruffled feathers. That was way too many colloquialisms. for. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, wow. Wow. Um, not in my notes. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jesus was just really messing with their minds. Uh, and, and, and here's something that is said in verse 33. And we're, uh, we're going to get to some more practical stuff in just a minute. Uh, but what we're hitting on right now is, is really we're setting the stage for the practical. And in verse 33, uh, the Jews respond to Jesus because... Actually, we're going to jump back to verse 32 because this is funny. Uh, Jesus gets a little sarcastic with them. Uh, and I like it when Jesus does this kind of stuff because uh, it shows not only was he fully uh, godly, he was fully man also. He goes, oh man, you guys are going to stone me? Like, I've done a lot of good works. Which good work is it that you're going to stone me for? Like, tell me, was it when I turned water into wine? Was it when I healed that? Come on, tell me which good work. And so I, I just love it when Jesus does this and, and it just kind of makes them a little bit more angry. Uh, and they answer him and they say, uh, for good work, no, we're not going to stone you, but because you blaspheme. Because you, being a man, make yourself a god. Now, this is a very, very, very big deal to Judaism. Uh, really, it's a big deal to almost any religion where man claiming divinity 
without the uh, the approval of the religious leaders. Uh, that's that's kind of a big deal. Uh, and Jesus, back in verse thirty, he said, "I and my Father are." One. He didn't just say, uh, my father uh, is, is in heaven and I am his son. Uh, he is in me and I am in him. Uh, he, he's used that phraseology before, but now he's gotten to the point. He's like, I'm done trying to argue this point across to you. You want it plain and simple? I and my father are one. And here's the thing. According to the law, uh, if Jesus wasn't able to substantiate his claim, uh, they would have been legally able to kill him according to Mosaic law. But Jesus had uh, an answer to them, and he had uh, this answer being uh, the messianic qualities that he had. Uh, he, he fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And the thing is, if they were paying attention, uh, they would have known that he was Messiah. Wesley, did you have a question? Yeah, the one there in Greek, can you mm -hmm. explain that word better? I and my Father are one, the one there in Greek. Uh, it literally means, um, and this was a discussion amongst the early church for, for, for a long time. Uh, I don't actually have the Greek in front of me, but I know the meaning uh, behind it. Uh, what was believed, and what Jesus is stating, uh, is that he is not, uh, in essence, saying, because the early church would like to say, uh, or, or there were those in the early church who would say, well, Jesus being the firstborn of creation, uh, Jesus being the begotten of the Father, that this one here is, is they are one in essence, but not one uh, in, in, in the same. Uh, but what Jesus is claiming is he's saying we are one in the same. We're one in the same. Not one in essence or one in, uh, in, in spirit or, yeah, yeah, or, or will. But you get uh, the early church uh, uh, heresies such as Arianism, uh, Nestorianism, uh, you get nowadays uh, Mormonism, you get uh, Jehovah Witness, uh, all stemming from uh, a misunderstanding of this verse. Sam? Oh, I was just going to say that the, uh, the meaning of the word one there, like the definition was uh, same in quality as Ooh, you guys get that? Some scientific terminology right there. <laughs> same in quality as in quantity. Nice work, Sam. Boom. All right. Solid. Solid. Yeah, Kingdom of the Colts. Uh, Dr. Walter Martin, grab it, read it. Good stuff. Uh, help you in your apologetics. That's awesome. Good questions. Good questions. And guys, anytime a question's asked, I always remind you guys, it's totally chill. Like, we don't have to be like Sunday morning preach and I stand up here all fancy and preach to you guys. Guys, if you have a question, uh, we will pause everything uh, to, to, to dive into your question a little bit more. If, we, if I don't have the answer, like right off the top of my head, I'm not going to try and make one up for you. Uh, and so we might move on just a little bit. Uh, but if you have a question at any point, please feel free to ask questions. This is a group, and we have group discussion uh, as well uh, as, as the main message. But here's the thing. Um, they were okay. Uh, these Jews were okay with Jesus being Messiah. Uh, they actually wanted Jesus to be Messiah. And when I say they wanted Jesus to be Messiah, it's Messiah in quotes. They were okay with Jesus being Messiah in quotes. Uh, what they weren't okay with was Jesus being both Messiah and God. Uh, because in their minds, this, this was something that could not and, and, and was impossible uh, to take place. But what they missed was they missed the entire thing that Christ, the Messiah, Christ being the Greek Christos, for the, the Hebrew word Mashiach or Messiah or appointed one or anointed one, this person who had a specific purpose from God, uh, they did not believe 
uh, that this was God, but in just a few moments we're going to look at how the Old Testament prophets uh, talk about how Messiah is God. But here's the thing. They wanted a political Messiah, a Messiah who would come and uh, remove the Roman rule, who would destroy and burn all the Gentiles and establish a eternal kingdom of, uh, uh, of Israel, and it would be this perfect Jewish utopia. That's what they wanted Messiah to be. Uh, and this is, comes to our first point. I don't actually have a title or a name for this point, but uh, the, I think the point still remains uh, that how often in our lives... Uh, we're okay with Jesus being Savior, um, but we're not always okay uh, with Him being who He actually is in our lives. Let me rephrase that because that's a little bit cryptic. Uh, they were okay with Jesus being Messiah, but they weren't okay with Jesus being God. Uh, how often are we okay with the benefits that Jesus gives us and, and, and the thing that makes us feel warm and fuzzy, but we tend to push aside the things that... Uh, maybe will make us change some of, of the things that we do in our lives. Or, or we're okay with Jesus being our Savior, but when it comes to Jesus being the Lord of our lives, we're not okay with that all the time. And, and I think, uh, I mean, I know me personally, uh, I, I'd like to stand up here and say, you know what, like I'm okay with Jesus being Savior and Lord all the time. But, I mean, let's be honest, uh, it's a daily, daily struggle for us to be like, you know what, Jesus, I, I know I'm not supposed to do this, or, or you've called me to do something different, but we still, because of our human nature, we tend to be just like these Jews. We're okay with you being our Savior, but man, if I actually have to change something in my life, uh, Jesus, we might have a problem. Uh, now, I, I, I can probably say with 100% certainty, I've never gotten to the point where I've gotten ready to pick up rocks and throw them at Jesus, uh, but I've gotten frustrated with Jesus at times, like, ah, Jesus, like, I don't really want to do this, uh, and there's been times where I haven't done it, uh, and, and uh, it's because of those times, and it's because of his spirit who's taken up residence inside of me, uh, who's brought uh, correction and conviction when those things come, uh, that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can every single day to follow Jesus with every single action I make. I'm like, do I succeed? Uh, not always, uh, but each and every day uh, I'm striving to be better. And so what I want to uh, just call our attention to is, is let's not be like these Jews who are okay with Jesus being Messiah, uh, but who weren't okay with him being God. Let's, let's be okay uh, with Jesus being our Savior uh, and with him being our Lord. Uh, and not just the Lord, some floating essence in the sky. No, the Lord of our lives, sitting on the throne of our hearts, ruling and reigning in our life, being the chief cornerstone of our very being. Amen. Yeah, let's let Jesus hold us together, and let's be okay with that, right? Amen. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, Jesus uh, uh, was Messiah, uh, and he claimed to be Messiah, but the Jews, uh, and even his disciples, did not always understand uh, this truth. Even his disciples uh, were, were always asking him, yo, Jesus, like, you're the Christ, this is awesome. When are you going to establish your kingdom? When are you going to, like, get rid of the Romans and establish your kingdom? Even his closest followers still had a hard time. So don't feel bad if you have a hard time at times with Jesus being Lord. Because, like, even his disciples, the 12 dudes who spent three years with him, went everywhere with him, slept on rocks with him, you know, all the great fun stuff in the desert, so fishing and all that good stuff, uh, they at times didn't understand his full, uh, his full purpose. Uh, we're, we're told in the book of John that it, it, some of them didn't even realize it until after his death and resurrection. They're like, oh yeah, that's what he meant when he said that. Mm. Oh, okay, now it's starting to make sense. 
Um, I think this happens with us a lot. Uh, we know things, but we don't always know their full meaning. Um, and I, w- I want to just uh, get a few laughs out of you guys because this is going to be good. How many of you guys know some nursery rhymes, right? Okay. Uh, we, we know a lot of nursery rhymes, and we can bring them to, like, like, to call, like, right away. If I were to say Humpty Dumpty, or, right, 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 or, or like, Jack Be Nimble, okay, Jack and Jill. Yeah, so, so, so we know things, right? Uh, but sometimes we know things, uh, and we don't actually know them all that well. You guys ever look at nursery rhymes? You guys ever, like, look at what the words actually say? Uh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Uh, now we're getting a little bit. Uh, uh, he, he fell down, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Uh, this is a story of a death. Uh, now, my one question is, why were the horses there trying to, well, you know, like, no, the horses aren't doing anything. Uh, Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch a pail of water. Great, they wanted some hydration, some H2O, they could have been in the desert. But Jack fell down and broke his crown. Like, we legitimately have a guy, like, get a concussion, and we have no clue what has become of him. But all we know is there's this woman now falling down this hill after him. This is a very, like, brutal thing. Um... Uh, rockabye baby in a treetop. Uh, when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Why is a baby in a tree? That's a good question. <laughs> but why are we singing about the bow breaking and the baby falling out of a tree? This is terrible. But we know it, but sometimes we don't know it. Yeah, it's Rub a dub dub, three men in a tub. Yeah, no, we're not even going to go there. A little bit awkward. Yeah, too far, too far. It's crazy. These guys were okay with Jesus being Messiah, but they weren't okay with him being God. They, they knew what he was talking about, but they didn't know the substance and, and, and the real meat behind the thing. And I want to challenge us tonight, guys, because uh, we I'm not going to say we've, because I don't know like fully, but I mean, I've grown up in the church. I, I know a good majority. We've grown up in the church, and we hear Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. And many of us can quote Bible verse after Bible verse. If I were to say, for God so, yeah, right, right, right. I mean, there's a lot of for God so in the Bible, but you all said love because John 3.16, right? And, and, and so often we can know a verse. Uh, and because and, it's Sunday school, the little flannel grams and all the good stuff. Like, yeah, I know the stories, but do we really know what's going on? Because the thing is, every story in the Bible, every page in the Bible, whether it's a genealogy, or whether it's a list of names, whatever, genealogy, list of names, the same thing, whether it's a bunch of numbers, or like, no matter, the book of Leviticus, every single page is pointing to Jesus as Messiah is pointing to a plan of salvation. And so I want to encourage us, let's not just know Scripture, uh, let's know Scripture, and let's get to know what it means. Anyone can read a book. Uh, and, and I mean, if I read Moby Dick tonight, uh, I, I'd probably fall asleep, to be honest. But I, I wouldn't come, a, come away an expert on whale fishing, or whaling. Um, <laughs> I have my moments. Uh, I, I wouldn't become an expert on whaling or, or, or on, on boating or anything. I suck in the open sea. I throw up. It's terrible. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people can read the Bible and not come away with it. Yeah, they might. Oh, yeah, that verse was familiar. But here's the thing. If we don't spend the time to, to, to dive into God's word, to study God's word, here, here's one, to prayerfully read God's word. We're encouraged, Paul encourages us to prayerfully read God's word. 
uh, that means pray as you read. Uh, multitasking for some of you might be hard. Uh, so pray before, pray and pray after. Uh, but we're called to really dive into God's word so it becomes a part of who we are. I, I used this example with the youth group on Sunday night. Uh, how many of you guys watch SpongeBob? Uh, okay, it's okay to be honest in, in, in church. Yeah, SpongeBob, uh, great guy. He lives in a pineapple under a sea, and he's absorbent in yellow, and he's porous, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's porous. How many of you guys have ever used a sponge before? Yeah, right, right okay. How, how many of you guys have used a sponge once, set it on the windowsill or the sink, and then not, like, touched it for a few days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets really hard and crusty, right? And you're like, eh, this is a nasty sponge. How effective is that sponge, aside from being a hockey puck, at cleaning dishes? Terrible. It's garbage. But a sponge that gets used all the time, is constantly having water soaking it up, it's very effective, correct? Okay. How many of us know a, a wet sponge is an effective sponge? Uh, here's the thing. We're told in Scripture that Jesus has living water. Uh, Jesus is the Word of God. And so... We, being sponges, can suck up that living water that comes from God's Word, and it makes us effective. Mm -hmm. Not only at cleaning in our own life, but we can bring some clean to the world around us. Now, every time you watch SpongeBob or see a sponge in your kitchen, uh, I want you to think, all right, I should probably spend a few moments in God's Word. So there's, there's some challenge for you. And especially if you're watching SpongeBob, that's like 23 point. Seven seconds of uh, 23 minutes, seven seconds of uh, kind of just goofiness. Uh, I'm not condemning it. I'm not condemning it's it. That. It's deeper than that. But uh, you can read your Bible, right? Right, right, right. right? Uh, that's a good song, Deeper Than That. Um, all right, moving on. So here's the thing. Uh, they were saying you can't be Christ and you can't be God. Jeremiah chapter 23. Uh, if you guys were to turn to Jeremiah chapter 23, we're not going to do that tonight. Uh, just because of time, but uh, if you guys were to turn to Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, you would see over and over and over again uh, prophecies about Messiah being God. Not just being the Son of God, but being Lord. Being Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you will. I am going to have you turn here, because this is important. You guys should all have this underlined in your Bibles. You should probably have it memorized. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I, It's one of those verses uh, that when I begin to read it, um, uh, not 6, 9. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. When I start reading it, you're probably going to start remembering uh, some of these lines. It says, For unto us a... Yeah, a child or a savior is born unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now we're going to pause. We're talking about the Messiah here. This person that the Jewish religious leaders believed could not be God. And the very next line says, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And we're talking about God. We're talking about Yahweh, we're talking about God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. And this is who Messiah would be. And these Jewish religious leaders and, and, and these Jews, uh, their hearts were blinded to this. And they were having a hard time understanding that Jesus was both Messiah and God. Because Messiah is God. And uh, this made him really mad. And uh, in verse 34 through 36, we see Jesus respond... Uh, to their frustration. 
And Jesus, uh, Jesus does something that I love when Jesus does. Uh, Jesus quotes scripture. Uh, if if the theme tonight uh, is anything, it's it, it's know your scripture and be able to use your scripture effectively. Jesus uses scripture to respond. How many of you guys have ever been in an argument before? Uh, let's just use this example, okay? Uh, they were wanting to catch Jesus in a situation where they could stone him. They 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 wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to try and get Jesus uh, on a on a hiccup, like. I don't know. I mean, uh, how many of us have ever had a situation uh, where someone asked us a question, but it was a loaded question because they're just trying to get you to stumble? Right? I mean, uh, I went to college, and uh, I went to a public college, uh, and they always like to find the Christian and ask questions like, well, man, if God's so loving, why do people die? All right, thanks. Great question. Uh, let me tell you about it. Um, but, but, but people try and trap you. Like, if, if God's so loving, why is there suffering in this world? Uh, these are all, I'm not knocking people who ask those questions. Those are legitimate questions. Uh, but there's legitimate answers in Scripture uh, for those. Uh, but, but the people try and trap Jesus here, and Jesus uses Scripture. So rather than, and Jesus is always setting the example for us, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, Jesus is using the example, when we get in a situation uh, where we're put on the spot, uh, when, when it comes to like some life and death situations, or uh, uh, I mean, any situation really where we're called to task, our faith is called to question, rather than trying to formulate some sort of answer on your own, uh, let's follow Jesus' example, and let's quote straight from Scripture. I mean, Jesus was God. He could have said, dude, like, look, and just lightning bolt. Like, he could have done whatever he wanted, but what did he do? He went to Scripture. And I believe that Jesus didn't do anything by accident, and I think he's painting the picture for us and giving us the example of using Scripture uh, to to speak truth uh, into people's lives. That's why Paul tells us, be ready in season and out, to give an answer or a defense for the hope that we have. The answer that hope comes from God's Word. And Jesus says this in verse 34 to 36. He says, Is it not written in your law? Now, Jesus just like, he just drew uh, a big line here. And he says, he says, uh, your law. He's now, he's just said, I am God. And uh, my laws are different than yours. But it's written in your law. I said, you are God's, lowercase g. Uh, if he calls them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because you have said, I am the Son of God. Jesus is quoting here from Psalm 82. Uh, Psalm 82. How many of you guys have Psalm 82 memorized? Like the whole thing, right? Okay, no, no, no. Yeah, probably not many of us. Uh, this is, this is uh, a, a reference to back in the time of creation, God giving dominion to man, it, it, it says, uh, I call you gods. It's, it's not some polytheistic, pantheistic, uh, weird thing where God is making humanity divine and they can become gods and whatnot, like some religions and cults would purport. No, what he's saying is that the word God there is, is actually pretty terribly translated uh, in uh, English, but it really means uh, to judge or to rule or to have dominion over on God's behalf. So, so, so God, when he said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, and, and I've given you this land, 
to, 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 to tend and all that stuff. That was God saying to Adam, uh, you are gods, and, and you now go and tend the land, rule the land in my place. And, uh, and, and so that's what they're saying. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I mean, you guys, people have been called gods before. Jesus is like kind of getting them uh, to, to think a little bit. And then he says, uh, but the word of God cannot be broken. The, the, this word of God came to these people, but you don't have a problem with them. But here's the thing. You have a problem with me when I say I am the son of God. Uh, there, there's a problem here. Uh, and Jesus uh, really stabs them with this. Uh, when he uses the phrase uh, sanctified, sanctified. Uh, because if you remember just a few short verses ago in chapter 10, verse 22, uh, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus at this point? Someone look at verse 22 of chapter 10. He's in Jerusalem, but not only in Jerusalem, he's in a specific place in Jerusalem. Yeah, he's at the Feast of Dedications. If you were here last week, do you remember what the Feast of Dedications is? Yeah, it's Hanukkah, okay? And, and, and they are celebrating and commemorating when the temple was re-sanctified for the Lord. Remember we talked about last week how uh, Antiochus Epiphanes came in, he put a, up an altar to Zeus, they, they sacrificed a pig there, which was an abomination that caused desolation, and it was making the Jews really unhappy, it made the temple unclean, and then uh, they, they had to re-cleanse uh, the temple, re-sanctify the temple, set the temple apart. That word sanctify is, is, is set apart for a specific use. And in the temple's case was to uh, bring honor and to worship uh, God. And what Jesus here is saying, he's saying, uh, do you say of him who the Father has sanctified and sent into the world? In essence, what Jesus is saying to the Jews, when you look at the, uh, the, the, the original language, Jesus is telling them, hey, you know, we're celebrating this temple that was sanctified, but I am the temple that has been sanctified by the very God you claim to be worshiping. And he says, are you going to call me blasphemy? Uh, I am the temple. I am the high priest. I am the ultimate sacrifice. Everything in this whole temple structure, the whole sacrificial system, it's all wrapped up in me. Look at Scripture. You know the Scripture. And it all points that I am the end all. But their hearts were hardened. And Jesus says this, and I think this is really uh, important. He says in verse 37, he says, If I do not uh, do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I am in him. Here's the deal. Um, Jesus, very flat out, is saying, you have a choice. You have a choice. Believe. Believe. Believe in me. Make the choice today. Believe in me. I know, I mean, Jesus knows the end from the beginning. He knows these people are not going to choose him. Uh, we, we just saw a few verses earlier that he says, you are not a part of my flock. But now he's saying, I know you're not a part of my flock, but make the choice today to choose me. Choose to follow me and know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And, and that's the same thing that Jesus in, in, in the Scripture yeah, is, is saying to us today. Uh, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe in that phone. No. Believe in Jesus. And, and, and look, looking across the room, I know pretty much all of us, um, and, and, and I think for the most part, uh, I know where we stand uh, in our relationship with Jesus. Um, 
But, but I want to make the point tonight. Uh, if you have not made the decision in your own life, say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. Maybe you've heard it before, uh, uh, but if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you guys, uh, make the decision to follow Jesus. Uh, not only will it be the greatest decision you ever make, uh, but it has some pretty uh, heavy eternal uh, ramifications. Uh, when you decide, I'm following Jesus, and you say, Jesus, may your blood apply to my life. May your sacrifice apply to me. Uh, may I uh, have salvation. You realize, uh, there's lots of talks about salvation. Here's the deal. Choose God, find out God chose you. And, and, and when you realize, you know what, I am saved, uh, your life will be forever, forever changed. Uh, John uses this phrase uh, of, of Jesus. He quotes Jesus uh, over 99 times in the book of John, uh, saying, believe in me. Believe that this that you may believe. Uh, over 99 times. The theme of John, the very theme of John, is that you would see Jesus and believe. He says that in chapter 22. The very reason I wrote this book is that you would see Jesus and believe. And, and he goes on to say, Here's the deal. If we were to write down everything Jesus did, there's not enough paper in the earth to write down everything Jesus did. So here's a little snapshot of what Jesus did. Believe in him. It's a good amount of stuff. Believe in him. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, these people, uh, they flat out rejected Jesus. and They sought to seize him. Um, and so maybe you're here tonight and, you, and you've heard of Jesus, uh, but you want to reject him. Um, I, I would strongly heed against that. And I think the word of God would heed against that. And I know most of you. Uh, if not all of you, and I think we've all uh, made that cognizant decision, I'm following Jesus. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, we're called to tell other people about Jesus as well. Uh, we're called to, 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 to be witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 tells us this. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses of me. Uh, our, our, our job description as follower of Christ uh, is to go and to tell people about Jesus. Uh, the, the very real... Reality. I don't know if you can have a real reality. I think just reality is real. Um, but uh, uh, there are people who are going to reject uh, Jesus. Uh, and, and the knowledge of that rejection, uh, or, or the knowledge that people are going to reject Jesus, um, that should not be something that discourages us and just has us sit down and say, well, you know what, people are going to reject Jesus. I don't want to waste my time. Uh, because here's the thing. Jesus didn't waste time. Uh, so, following his example, we shouldn't waste time. And we never know if someone, maybe they've been rejecting Jesus for years, but we never know the next opportunity we have where we say, hey man, Jesus loves you, but that's the breaking point where they're like, you know what? Uh, I need this Jesus that you've been talking about. Uh, we are to be diligent in season and out telling people about Jesus. Telling people about Jesus. If we look at the next few verses that close out chapter 10, we're going to wrap up with this. It says this in verse 40. It says, And he went away beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. Uh, Jesus is not going to come back to Jerusalem again until the triumphal entry. He's done in Jerusalem. They, they kind of want to kill him there, so he's doing ministry elsewhere. And uh, it says, Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about you are true. And then it says, Many believed him there. I don't know where the there is for you. Um, I, I've got a pretty good handle where the there is for me. Um, but I think Jesus tells us the there is where Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, 
and, and maybe we all have different Jerusalems, maybe we all have different Judeas and Samarias, but here's the thing. Um, wherever your there is, uh, that there needs you to go be the light in the darkness. That there needs you to go tell people about Jesus. And uh, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, a great hero of the faith, he said, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great saying. Our actions, our actions should, should, should share the love of Jesus. Uh, but here's the thing. I think that phrase, I know it was used all the time when I was in youth. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live out the gospel uh, just by my actions. It's a great thing. I think we should do it. Uh, but I also think the thing that can lull us into complacency uh, and, and, and can um, aid us in our own personal anxieties and fears of, of talking to people and being real and saying, hey, you know what, man, I love you, but without Jesus, uh, there's no hope. You need Jesus. Uh, and so here's the thing. Uh, preach the gospel. Dan, that's you. Eh, a good guy here. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, uh, actions, they do speak louder than words, uh, but last time I checked, words are pretty effective also. Uh, and, and I think we should use, I think we should use words. If words weren't effective, I think we'd all walk around like, like to the whole, like, I don't even know what that was. That was, that was bad. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, we gotta use, we gotta use words. Uh, am I saying stand on the side of the freeway with a piece of cardboard saying turn or burn? Uh, if that's if that floats your boat, go have fun doing it. Because um, uh, the book of Jude tells us there will be some who are snatched from the flames, like literally, and use the word snatch, like they were going down, and some turn and burn sort of message, it, it got a hold of their lives. I think in more cases, uh, sharing the love of Christ, uh, being love to them, because God is love, and we be love to someone. Uh, I believe if Jesus has done something in our lives, if Jesus is a part of our story, Jesus and his story uh, will leak through our story and can affect someone else's story. And, and what Jesus has done in our lives, if he has truly done a work in you, uh, that will percolate out and it will begin to affect someone else's lives. And, uh, and they will be posed with, hey, you know what, something's different about you. What's this Jesus you've been talking about? Or, or maybe they'll be like, man, how come you just always got a smile on your face? Or, man, when things get rough, why don't you just freak out? People will begin to ask questions. Those are opportunities for us to share the love of Christ and to truly say, like Jesus said, uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And we're going to see in just a few short chapters, but it's probably, it's probably a good six months away, in John 14, uh, John, that's only four chapters, probably six months away. Uh, John fourteen six says this, and this is Jesus uh, saying this of himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And, uh, and that's the reality. And Jesus is saying, I am God. And without a relationship, and without faith in me, without believing in me, this that you may believe without believing in me, uh, there's no way to heaven. Um, we're called to tell people. We're called to go to the highways and the hedges uh, and let people know of the love of Jesus. Let them know the gospel. Let them know the good news uh, that, that they may believe. And so it's all about Jesus, guys. Uh, and that's the Jesus uh, who, who, who has called us, who has saved us, and who has said, go. Yeah. And, and the best part about that verse, and I think it's one of the parts that we always leave out, like Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. Great task. 
But so often we leave out the last part where Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always. Here's the thing, you're not going at it alone. Yeah, we got brothers and sisters in the room. And there's safety in numbers, there's strength in numbers. But here's the thing, the greatest safety and the greatest strength comes from the one who said, All authority has been given to me, both under heaven and in earth. Uh, go therefore, and lo, I am with you always. Guys, you put your faith in Jesus, you're not in this thing alone. And Jesus goes with you, and he empowers you. And his spirit who comes upon us empowers us to be witnesses. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that tonight. Uh, we're wrapping up John chapter 10. We're going to have uh, a guest speaker next week, and then Aaron's going to be speaking uh, in two weeks, picking up in John chapter 11, uh, talking about a guy by the name of Lazarus. Do your homework. Go read up. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, let's, let's just remember, guys, um, to be in our word. Let's remember that Jesus is God. Uh, and, and let's start in our own lives. If there's areas where we have said, you know what, Jesus, I'm chill with you being my Savior, uh, but I don't want to give you this yet. Mm. Well, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm chill with you saving me, uh, but you can't touch this area. Uh, let's, let's make the cognizant effort um, to say, you know what, Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender all. The hymn would sound really, really weird if, if I surrender some or I surrender most. It would just sound weird, like, most to Jesus. I, no, 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 like, 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 he says surrender all. He says surrender all. And let's, and let's do that. Let's surrender everything to Jesus. And not just have him be the Savior of our lives, but the Lord of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. I'm getting you out three minutes late. Boom. At that. Oh, my God. You got in time just for us to pray. Awesome. Well, dear God, we just thank you uh, so much. I haven't seen you ever, man. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, ben, how's it going, man? I'm glad you made it tonight. Awesome. Ben, can you pray for us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're closing in prayer, so, so you pray for us. Yeah, absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this uh, surroundings right here. I hope they grow in and that um, they're learning about God and that, um, that we just come out tonight and um, that we've all changed. Um, mm. I just went to work today and I just uh, I thank you so much for letting me be here tonight. Mm. Dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.